Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Ahoy, hoy. Uh, what's up, y'all? Uh, it's Mishka again, the um, back for the nth time. Um, the okay, got a great episode today do i say that every time it's always great they're always good better and better the um it's so weird getting sucked into doing this podcast now because the i've kept it from feeling like work thus far uh where it's just sort of something that something fun that i do i keep checking the analytics which is stupid why would you if you're enjoying a thing why would you check to see what your mileage is and whatnot the but it does feel it feels a little bit like uh Lucy and Charlie Brown with the football where I've sort of been scolded and shamed by lots of people over Jesus the last 10 years to um to start a podcast and now I have um so if you're one of those people who has been pestering me to start a podcast for a million years and then now you're not listening Man, fuck you so much. The it uh it's fun. It's my little uh lunch out with friends. It's my sort of tentative venturing back into the world. It's a great way of uh procrastinating live performance. And uh I I do get a lot out of these conversations and um and also uh if you're listening, you're already listening, and if you're not listening, uh you should. The these are good. I believe in it. I put my name on it. Um our episode today is uh, Max Collins, who you may know as the guy from Eve Six. Um, Max has had such a wild trajectory in his life from uh, achieving sort of massive uh, commercial pop success at a very young age and then uh, bottoming out and getting sober, as many of us do, and I think really finding his his true bottom or um, another bottom in sobriety and then neatly dodging this thing that happens to so many people who experience fame of not becoming a huge raging asshole and having a really interesting and bizarre second act as uh, one of the most uh, sensitive, smart ass and thoughtful people uh, on Twitter. Um, I met Max through my buddy Jake Flores, um, and we sort of hit it off right away. So, of course, I pestered him to be on the podcast. So, um, yeah, enjoy this week's episode with uh, Max Collins, uh, the guy from Eve Six. How's everything, man? How's, uh, are you recovered from tour? And yeah, I, I think I'm pretty recovered from tour. It definitely takes, it takes about a week, I think, to adjust from just the hours, like going to yeah. bed at like three, four in the morning and waking up whenever, um, late morning, early afternoon to waking up, you know, cause I have kids and stuff here, uh, waking up at like five 30 in the morning. Cause I need my hour of, you know, to caffeinate and stuff before, uh, you know, before I'm ready to meet the demands 
of two little kids. Yeah. The, um, and uh, you said something the other day about swimming laps. The do you swim too? I do. I do swim as I light a cigarette. <laughs> um, no, this is good. The. <laughs> I was I was just coughing when you were in the other room, and I was like uh, embarrassed that I have a very smokery voice. The because I run and I smoke, and it just seems, you know, I, I was thinking about this that like, um, I I think very, you know, I think you're you're a super smart dude. I think Jake is a super smart dude. We were like hanging out in the parking lot um, after the show in Tucson. Uh, talking about fancy, complicated stuff, and then smoking fucking cigarettes, which is just the dumbest, the dumbest. Drug so dumb. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um. So, so you run? You're a runner and a smoker. Yeah, I run five or six days a week. Uh, I'm up at like five fifteen or five thirty. The my dog wants to run every single day. We did uh, whatever six and a half yesterday, and like four, four and a half today. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I. I, uh, I swim, I grew up swimming, uh, doing swim team stuff and I hated it. My parents were like, you got to pick a sport and you got to do something. Um, and I chose that cause at least it was like, I don't know the team stuff, but I, I couldn't really get with, um, even though I guess it was a swim team technically, but it felt a little more individual or something, but, uh, I really hated it. But then I, um, my, I, I did a point to point swim in Lake Superior with my cousin, like 10 or 12 years ago or so. We just had the idea to, to do it. And I, I started training for that and getting back into swimming. And I was like, oh, I love this. You know, yeah. I mean, I love it and I hate it. It's like, it's one of those things, but, um, the, pleasure outweighs the pain, especially of just the feeling of like being done, you know? It's always really good. Yeah. The uh, Dorothy Parker has that quote about, uh, I don't enjoy writing. I enjoy having written. Yeah. The, and, you know, the, the best way that I've found to describe my relationship with running is that I um, I hate running less than I fear my old life. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and running is definitely something that has helped me, like, uh, just get my fucking head together and stay sober and stay sort of committed to moving forward and all that shit. The, no, ab absolutely. It's insane how uh, how powerful the effects of, I mean, any exercise really to just like force perspective on a mind that really tries to resist perspective and wants to like just zero in on whatever, whatever the blemish seems to be. Um, yeah. I always used to get the shit from people because I only started running after I quit drinking. The and I always used to get the shit from people of like, "Oh, you've swapped one addiction for another." And the man, if if people think my running is addiction, the they they think I'm enjoying it much more than I am. The and I was thinking about that because um, I remember like looking at a drink and being like, "This is the drink that's going to make me throw up tomorrow." I could yeah. just not drink it and I'd be okay. And it was always like down the fucking hatch and then yeah. let's get some Coke. And um, the and it's just that living in the eternal present and the in order to exercise successfully, 
you need to live anywhere except the present. The yeah, you know, if you do it right, it sucks, it hurts, it's uncomfortable, you're suffering. The but you know, it's I mean, not to get all Instagram, you know, inspirational profile, but it's an investment in your future. I know that. Yeah, no, some of that the, stuff is good and has utility, like <laughs> some of those cliches. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, um, absolutely true for me. I fear that like this podcast is going to be a little pedantic because I the only thing that I really know about you is that I like you, that you're a, a super smart dude, and that you've had this extraordinary second act. The um, so I may just pepper you with a ton of questions that you've answered a million times. That's 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 fine. No, yeah. And I have a feeling they'll even if I've heard them before, it'll be a, a little different talking to you. So, yeah. Okay, good. The so I'm going to ask you the worst question that uh, that I think um, anyone can ever ask, which is, uh, how's the writing going? It's going terribly. Well, <laughs> it's going two thumbs down. Not good. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, I. I'm supposed to be writing writing a book. Uh, I, you know, signed a book deal with this small um, publisher who's great. They've done some cool stuff, um, but definitely experiencing quite a bit of resistance. I, I'm, I'm also, I'm writing this, this column for um, a magazine called Input Now. It's an advice column. And it's the first time I've ever done any writing outside of a three and a half minute pop song, basically. So, um, I, you know, I, I am, I'm getting those biweekly columns done, uh, and enjoying it. And, you know, it's, it's definitely requiring some, um, I mean, there's, it's, there's like, it's not easy. Like I want to make sure that I'm, it's like this balance between being, being honest and really trying to be helpful. Also trying to make it an entertaining read, all of that stuff. It's all completely new, new to me uh, in that form. So I'm doing that stuff, but having a really hard time sitting down to like write a chapter, you know? The, I mean, the column is really good, man. The I I enjoy it. The shit I opened your um, the interview with John Hinckley on my phone and started to read it, and then like the cat was doing a cute thing or something. I forgot to I, I forgot to <laughs> yeah. it before we uh, before we were podcasting today. But I I mean, I feel like you're getting to do cool stuff. The also, I feel like I don't. Know, I feel like the way um, the way to get writing done is uh, it, it's sort of like when you, you know when you were a teenager and you worked at Kinkos and then while you were there you would make flyers for the band or whatever the it's if you have a deadline for something else that you have to write um, then it's great because it gets your ass in the chair and then you have to like do the thing and tap on the keyboard and you know then it, you can sort of do muscle memory or and I I have to alt tab that's the only way I can get anything done is to like um, you know 
if I have something to write, the then I'm going to open the document and then also be like digging a fucking trench in my yard or something to take a break from the thing. And if I yeah. have to dig a trench, then I'll open a document to start writing a thing. You know, yeah, I have yeah. To be working on a couple things at the same time. The but um, it's you know I, I'm thinking a lot about teaching and writing, having just taught the workshop, and I feel like the only thing that I do in that workshop really is just try to give people techniques to combat writer's block because the, um, we're almost exactly the same age. Do you remember those fucking, they were optical. I mean, this dates both of us optical illusions that they printed up in the newspaper. And it was like a thing where you had to sort of let your eyes go out of focus. And then you would see like the wizard holding the bong hit with a dolphin in it or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah, totally. I remember that. Um, I feel like that's how writing works where you can't you can't look at stare at it directly. The you have to look at it out of your peripheral vision. Um, the I only ever start writing a thing just before I fall asleep. Yeah, I hear that. The couple times that I have been able to sit down and write for the book has been when I'm sort of in that place that you just described the, uh, where, yeah, it's like not focus really. It's something else. Um, uh, Robin Hitchcock had a quote about that, like clear and focused is clear and focused. Creativity comes from elsewhere or something. And, um, Hmm. but I guess the only way to get, to that place is to do sort of the clear and focused thing of sitting down and forcing yourself to write for a time, you know, whether, whether you feel like you're in the appropriate, the perfect fugue state or not. Yeah. The there, you know, there is, I I think about like training too. like Bert Kreischer has a line about like, um, he's talking about some athlete and he's like, Oh, you know, has he been like, uh, uh, swimming in overalls? you know, that to do something with maximum resistance. And I was like, I'm, I'm tracking stuff right now. And I was like, I was uh, playing bass and my bass is super heavy and my guitar is super light. The, but if I pick up the guitar first, it feels heavy. And if I pick yeah. up the bass first, then the guitar just wants to fly away. You know, the, yeah, well, that's um, funny because talking about like the swimming thing, I, uh, I read a piece about Phelps and like his training regimen and stuff. Uh-huh. And his his coach would like purposefully sabotage his workouts. Like he would uh-huh. like break his goggles or like make them leak or something. Um, he would. There were a few different ways he he made it make him train with the flu, uh, shit like that. Where it's like, um, was he trying like to make this, him a super villain? <laughs> it sounds like it. But I mean, it's, I guess it's getting to that same thing, like sweetest pleasure after pain, even if it's, you know, the, the, even if it's the thing you're doing is painful, it seems less so if you're, if you torture yourself. Yeah. First. The, I, I was talking to my running buddy about this the other day that like my back sort of constantly hurts. And then um, I've had like a, a week of good days, you know, so I'm sort of waiting for the other foot to fall now. The But I, I, I realized like, oh shit, my back stopped hurting. That Maybe that's why I, I feel like I'm having good days is just the, when you're 45, the best thing you'll ever feel is just the pain stopping. 
Yeah. You know, the, um, and there's always a new one coming to replace oh, it. Yeah, the, way, the, way I, the way I figured out my back stopped hurting was that it started hurting again. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, Oh, I haven't <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> you know, the, um, the, your, the arc of your story is so fascinating to me because the, um, I, I played bass in a bunch of bands too. The, um, we're almost, you know, the same age, the, but we've had such radically different trajectories. The, I was, um, I was like rereading that piece of writing that you sent me, um, that, uh, you guys, you were 18 when you guys got your first major label deal. Um, was I was 17 seven or 18. Yeah, I was 17 and, um, our guitar player was 16 when we signed the deal with RCA, which was our second record deal. We'd signed a year prior with a, with like an independent label, independent punk label out of Orange County when we were 15 and 16. Yeah, it was, it was, it was absurd. I mean, looking back on it, it's like, yeah, really nuts. I was like shoplifting cough syrup at that point and just the yeah that's what all our friends you know that's what our friends were doing that's what our you know like uh I for for me like I I didn't start like drinking and using drugs until later I was uh I was like completely straight edge in high school and then didn't drink for the first time until like literally the night we finished mixing the the our first record in New York city. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the, our friends were doing that stuff and yeah, we were fucking kids. I feel like nobody falls harder than the straight edge kids. The, yeah. Th- there were guys I knew who were like, all right, Wednesday, I'm going to have a beer Friday. I'm going to do acid and Saturday. I'm going to do heroin. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, I was like, no, just just stick to beer. Like that'll ruin your life sufficiently. It's not just. It's not the. It's not going to Taco Bell. And you, all right, now now I'll try the Mexican pizza. Uh, there's, uh, incre- you know, incremental things. Maybe try two beers. Yeah. You know, the, um, it's almost like there's some weird uh, premonition thing baked into some of the straight edge stuff, at least for young people, because that does seem to be true. It's like. Uh, I mean, I definitely come from like a family of alcoholics too, and got those, you know, um, stern forebodings from like my, my parents and all that, uh, just about, yeah, like genetic predisposition and everything else. And I think maybe some of that straight edge stuff for me or abstinence was like, was fear, you know, um, fear of that fear of not being in control all of that stuff which you know is i guess kind of paradoxically why i enjoyed the effects of alcohol so much too once i started going there as it was uh you know the antidote to like my natural state of anxiety and fear of loss of control and all that stuff I was talking to uh, Keith from Every Time I Die, and he recently got sober. And I knew, you know, I knew his band as like a big party band. The and I was like, you know, I said to him, 
you know, I, I, I don't want to minimize your experience or your, your drinking or your problem, but I, I, I never hung out with you where I was like, oh, this guy's out of control. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, no, that was, that was the, the problem is that, you know, I, I was like the singer of the band and also, you know, at a level where I had to keep an eye on everything, you know, so yeah. had to be in control at all times, even when we went out drinking for eight hours. And I was like, dude, that sounds like a fucking nightmare to, yeah. you know, to be drinking something so that you sort of lose control and then still be trying to maintain control. And he was like, yeah, that, you know, that's why I stopped. So, you know, I, why he, you know, why he stopped the, um, do you feel like, uh, alcohol was something that, that like down tuned your OCD or was it something, or did they just sort of like vibrate off each other or? No, I mean, it, you know, temp- it would temporarily cure it, you know? I mean, I, I like, alcohol just really f- fixed all that shit for me, you know? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I remember thinking when I, like, discovered that, basically, like, which quickly, you know, after I began drinking, like, as long as I have this substance, I can do anything. I can go anywhere. Um, I'm like impervious to the shit that used to kind of, yeah, fuck with me. I mean, my mind, I guess. Um, but yeah, the control thing is interesting because like, you know, it's like, I think it's in, that book that I know you don't do AA stuff, but like, um, the, that normal people can control and enjoy their drinking. And it's like, I could control it at times, but I definitely wasn't enjoying having to control it. You know, I mean, I remember there being times when I would be at, like, I couldn't do both basically. Yeah. Like being at like my brother's wedding and like really like, white knuckling by just having a few beers but it was like work you know yeah yeah i i I mean i remember uh you know having one drink or having a couple of drinks and going home and it was always a stunt to prove to myself or someone else like haha i showed you now i'm not an alcoholic you know this proves that i'm not an alcoholic the but i I also i remember like (laughs) I remember snorting lines of vodka in Death Valley. Uh, and <laughs> How do you even do that? It's, it's, it's possible. I mean, you probably missed your window, but uh, yeah, it's possible. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, somebody was saying something about like, oh, I just drink for the taste. And I was like, you like the taste of alcohol? What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, the... Um, yeah, I just wanted to like get it get it in me and get as much in me as quickly as possible. The yeah. and it's 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 weird, man, because the you know, reading the little bit of your writing that I have, I I worried about you. Like it's like I went back in time and worried about this guy I didn't know who's obviously okay now. Um the at a time when I was, you know, I mean, I think I was 20 when I like used meth for the first time. And I was, you know, I had started, started like throwing up blood, you know, by then. And the, um, you know, I was definitely in trouble too, but I think part of it is 
you, it was like the, you know, that last line of, um, you know, the first time you, you drank of just being like, I can't fucking wait to do this again. Mm-hmm. That, that spoke to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I remember the same thing of, you know, the first time I got hammered and like looking out the window and seeing two moons and being like, Oh, so this is what it's like, you know, the, and, um, and I woke up the next day and it was like, it, it was, it was like, I was a man or like I was a human. Yeah. And you know, I, I was like, I was like, Oh, this is how other people feel all the time where you can just yeah. like, do shit and talk to people. Yeah, I remember feeling like I'm I'm finally living. You can do yeah. shit, talk to people. Yeah, like I I I remembered being like sort of mouthy to like a a bouncer or something like that the night before and I was like, "Oh, this is the person that I've never been able to be that I've always like, you know, I I I was able to affect uh personality characteristics that like i'm not really in possession of but that i've always wanted to be you know it i mean it shows too like how how young we were that um that you were like oh thank god i'm finally becoming the man i want to be like somebody who's like shitty to the to the the clubs yeah yeah (laughs) like that's the aspirational marker for what's like a man or something yeah i mean you know I guess that's, I'm just, I'm just fucking sandbagging you right away with these huge open-ended questions. But, but this is the other thing that sort of blows my mind is, um, how, how you've made it to this point in your life and you're not an asshole at all. You know, it's, uh, (laughs) you're, you're really, you're super funny. You're super smart. You've been, you've been through a ton of shit. You've seen a ton of shit and not just bad shit, but like you've seen really, you lived through really amazing highs and amazing lows. It's not just the sort of gutter crawl. The, it is the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. And the, I've met so many musicians in their forties when I was living and working in New York and they were all terrible and and you're not at all the how do you I do appreciate that? that there's there's plenty of people on twitter who would disagree with you i'm sure <laughs> and uh you know th- that there's an asshole in me for sure i you know i i try to check that guy sometimes i don't do so well at that um but yeah, I mean, I think you can either learn what humility is and means and go toward it. Um, and I guess I'm talking about the context of like having like success and, you know, money and shit like that. And then, you know, having it not, I mean, not entirely disappear, but in a way disappear, you know, like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of had to learn from that pain. It wasn't really virtue. It was like, um, you know, I could go this way where I'll probably kill myself or, um, I could go this other way where, I reckon with some shit, you know? So, 
again, I think fear probably served me there a little bit too. It was like, before I got sober, it was definitely like this overwhelming feeling of something I, I, I need to change this course I'm on or else, you know? Yeah. The, yeah, fear can't be a staple in your diet, but it's it's incredibly uh, it's a powerful laxative. The no, it's like a it's a it's a helpful supplement at sometimes. You know the I you know I I didn't stop drinking because I wanted to be a better person. Like I just I quit because I was scared. You know yeah, uh, and um because I was just whipped. You know I mean my uh, the. Um, for me, it's like, uh, depression and anxiety. Yeah. And I found that, um, alcohol remedied both of those and also made them so much worse. Yeah. You know, when I was in a funk, nothing would pick me up. Like I, I remember having a, like I was probably 22 living in New York and it, I just had this, and we lived in an old building that had like this huge uh, farm sink, which seems like a great idea, but then it would just meant that you would fill it with like six hours worth of dishes. Yeah. And I remember I, I had a big jug of the like $8 Carlo Rossi wine. And the only way I could, can, you know, talk myself into doing the dishes was I had a shot glass with the jug of wine. And every time yeah. I washed a thing, I, um, I would get to do a shot. And I was yeah. like hanging in there until I got to the forks and spoons, and then I was, and then it was just like light. Yeah, the yeah. I needed, I needed, uh, I needed that in order to wash the dishes. I needed, um, you know, I needed wine to like pick me up enough that I would be able to do a thing. Um, yeah, you know, so it sort of like cured the, de- you know, the depression that night, and then the next morning it was just fucking crippling. Yeah. And it's also part of that whole like uh, reward thinking that like is, yeah, I mean, I think for people with depression and anxiety, it, it's the difficult, it's difficult to the point of being impossible sometimes to do a thing, sometimes to do anything, but certainly to do a thing that you don't want to do. (laughs) That's not going to make you feel good. Uh, but maybe we'll make, yeah, your future self grateful or something. Um, yeah, I, you know, I still, I still have to negotiate with that, with that voice. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, we're always sort of, um, making that deal. The, I was thinking, this is a, this is a really like dark, depressing thought, but the, you know, that thing about, um, you know, when all you have is a hammer, everything you see is a nail, you know, and in the in the course of and I was reading about uh, Pavlov's dogs and the he found that he got a stronger salivation response, not, you know, after he trained them and gave them food every time at the sound of the bell, then he only gave them food like one out of every three times that he rang the bell. And that mm. actually made the response stronger. Wow. So it's the, if you have a drug that works for you every single time, your attraction to it won't be as strong as to a drug that works for you sometimes. That's fascinating. Yeah. The, and then I, I was thinking about, um, the, you know, the, the, cause we do have like weird parallel lives of the, the lives that we've had and the ambitions that we've had and the struggles that we've had the, and then I was thinking like, 
when you when you find a way to weaponize your brain so it's just an it's just a drug processing system the like do we just walk around you know do we just walk around now like look you know the making everything into a drug the you know i i used to consume ebay like that i still i have a, a disgusting amount of guitars it's fucking repellent the <laughs> it's I really, I, I feel this. This is the year where I feel like I crest. I, I sort of like went past, uh, you know, uh, a jazz lawyer, you know, fucking collector into <laughs> guitar hoarder. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I know what you mean. I mean, I think with like similar to how people might say, oh, you substituted one addiction for another because you run five times a week now or something. It's like, if the thing you're doing isn't injurious to your life or your well-being, it's not pathological. I mean, as long as yeah. you're not going out of house and home buying guitars, right? Yeah. Like, but I do see it like for me and my online addiction, it can definitely be pathological. I mean, I can be on Twitter to the exclusion of, you know, giving my kids or girlfriend attention, you know? And I like, uh, it's, it really activates the addict in me for sure. You know, I, um, I like got on this morning because that's the first thing you do as soon as you wake up. You know, you like lunge for your phone and like what's happened. The yeah, and the it, by the time this podcast out, the podcast comes out, this will be an ancient thing. But the um, uh, the like Twitter writing prompt right now is the whatever she was a ten. You know, yeah, and the and my, I actually had the thought where I was like, oh, I've I've missed this. I I missed this. I missed this prompt. I missed this premise. I everybody's made all the jokes now. Like I was doing stuff yesterday and I fucking missed all the action. And it's like, yeah, no, I was doing shit yesterday. Right, right. Why you didn't do I miss anything? Right. <laughs> and it's it's so weird because it, it's sort of like, you know, well, what's been happening in Super Mario Brothers since I've been gone? The it's it's just it's a game. The Yeah. And, um you know when when's the last time you got on you were you were down and you got on twitter and then it really cheered you up yeah it doesn't happen i mean <laughs> it's like you know i mean god there's i mean it is it is fun to like uh get a reaction or feel like you're making people laugh or something like that there's like you know the the app is designed to like give you dopamine hits, um, which, you know, I need to watch myself with those incentives and I've definitely made mistakes because of them in the past. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't think it's all bad. I definitely think it's a lot bad. There was, there was a story on NPR fucking a million years ago, eight years ago, the, about a guy who was driving with his infant son in the front seat, the and uh, a guy who was texting while driving uh, t-boned him and killed his son. And the months after losing his son, in the like grieving process, he the 
you know, his phone chimed while he was driving and he looked down to see the text and he was like, this is how my son, you know, I, I can never do this. And it got to the point where he had to put his phone in the fucking trunk of his car. Yeah. So that he, because it was that powerful. That's how fucking powerful it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But the, but the flip side of it, man, is the... Um, it is... Ah, fuck. It is art, and I'll fucking defend it. The And here's why. Because, I mean, I, I do think Twitter was better when it was um, 140 characters. Because then it was like um, writing a Zen cone or writing a, um, a haiku or something like that, where you have... You have 140 characters in which to, uh, for there to be a narrative arc or to make a thing happen or for there to be any information, you know, and it was like, it was so limited and it was so minimalist that um, I would always force my students to do like, you know, Twitter, um, uh, tell me the plot of your story in one tweet, you know, that kind of thing, you know, to really get people to like boil shit down. And I still remember when... uh, Kirsten Dunst had her nudes hacked from iCloud and she just tweeted um, the apple emoji, the pizza emoji and the poo emoji like apple yeah. pizza shit. Yeah. And I was like it's fucking brilliant. The, yeah. You know, so there is um and you know when Jake's so fucking good at it that whenever yeah. I can uh Whenever I can like make him wince with a dad pun or something like that, the that yeah. that my my tiny little Grinch heart just grows another size. You know the yeah the, yeah. The, um, if I can make a friend hurt, it's worth it. Yeah uh, yeah. But it's so. I'm 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 a huge gun control proponent, and I always have been, and the, um, that was the thing that poisoned Twitter for me. You know, of yeah. just the, you know, uh, fucking se- Second Amendment uh, fetishists, um, you know, being like, oh, you know, you triggered, bro. And I was like, yeah, no, the, think about what you're saying. We have trigger warnings for distressing material. But the one thing that needs a fucking trigger warning, which is a gun, we don't we won't put anything on that. The yeah. I, I read the thing today that they're like they're going to destroy the school in um, uh, Uvalda the because they can't ask the kids to go back to school there i was like that's that makes so much sense like why don't we just burn all the schools so the kids can live in peace you know the yeah it's like an absurd metaphor but it's real yeah 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 no i know i mean i i i agree that like posting can be art (laughs) but it, it can also be like it's opposite you know and there's like uh yeah, the quote tweet dunk incentive, which I fall for oh, way too that. often. Oh, so good though. Yeah, um, when you see an easy one. It's just like uh the I will I'll go back to fucking Jake's tweets from like three weeks ago and be like, oh wait, no, I I thought of a thing that I should have said in the moment that I didn't say then, but I'm I'm gonna say it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. The, it's um. Do we just need to live with it, though? The, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm struggling with is I, I, I had, you know, I keep having these early morning waking thoughts that just sort of haunt me for the rest of the day. And I woke up this morning and I thought, 
I'm just going to get a job at fucking Burger King because then I won't be able to procrastinate anymore. Because, like, when you're working yeah. fast food, you just have to, like, make the fucking burgers and toast the buns and, like, slice more tomatoes or whatever. That you can't yeah. the, the research the characteristics, the tonal characteristics of this tube versus that tube or whatever. The um, Yeah. I, I will do everything and anything to avoid doing any actual work. God, yeah. It's yeah. so exhausting. Yeah. I, I, I hear that. Um, yeah. Do we just need to live with it? Like, I know, I mean, I know someone who left Twitter, um, and their, their life, their life got a lot better in every way, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of in that, like, I still do enjoy it. It's not entirely toxic for me. There are toxic elements. Um, I also feel like for writing now, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to disseminate stuff. But yeah, I hear you on the procrastination thing too. Like, and just wanting, wishing so badly that I, I remember right before leaving for tour for our second record, I was very much uh, drinking way too much at this point. Um, and the OCD and anxiety stuff was, you know, really heightened, um, drinking to tamp that stuff down. And I remember just dreading going out on tour, really not wanting to go out on tour. <laughs> I can hear myself. Uh, I can put myself in the seat of the listener right now and hear how ridiculous and whiny this sounds but it's true so i'm just gonna say it as it happens just spit it out man it's your life the, yeah you know. um i was like i think it was like a night or two nights before i was to leave for this tour i was with my best friend who's still my best friend and we were just walking around the block i was literally like sobbing i was like i don't want to do this i hate this you know like i I just want to fucking work at the hardware store. Like the guys at the hardware store are really cool. Um, they seem happy and they go in there and they work at the hardware store and like, fuck, uh, you know? And I, this was me having like the dream or whatever. Um, not just for others, but I guess for, you know, for myself, if you told me a couple of years prior that I'd be doing a big tour on a bus and all of that stuff. But, um, yeah, I just, I wanted out, I wanted something simple. Um, but of course I didn't, I didn't want it that much cause I left for the tour, you know, <laughs> the, yeah, this, this is one of the things that I definitely, you know, struggle with in that, um, you know, my life right now is super fucking sweet. You know, the, um, I have my dog, I have my cat, the, my mom lives down the street, the, I don't really, I have time to procrastinate and stuff. The, um, I have some cool guitars, the, um, I'm sober, been sober for 13 years. The, I still run, you know, all kinds of good shit. The, but I still get frustrated and annoyed and, um, and depressed and the, I, I remember going to uh, going to some clinic in uh, in Brooklyn, and 
the intake nurse was asking me like what medi- if I took medication, what medications I took, and I told her I took an antidepressant. And she said, can I ask you a question? And I was like, fucking here we go. And she said, you know, what's a nice, good-looking young guy like you, uh, you know, have to be depressed about? And the... I'm so grateful to her for that fucked up thing that she did because, like, if I came in there with a broken leg, would she be like, what's a nice, good-looking young guy like you here with a broken leg for? You know, the yeah. and that is, like, the, the definition of depression is sadness without reason. Yeah. And the... Um, Man, every life is a is fucking hard at times. The and yeah. you know, I'm if if you try to hate yourself in your head for the memory of being envious of the guys at Ace Hardware, uh, uh, countering that memory with hatred uh, isn't going to make you happy then or now. You know the yeah, um, and fucking whatever man i want to work at a hardware store too that when you were telling that story i was like i know i'm supposed to be hating max in this moment but that sounds great like ace hardware or home depot because those are two different things this (laughs) is a moment this is a very specific hardware store family owns the dad worked there with like the sons and they would just listen to black sabbath it's still my hardware store i love these yeah yeah absolutely the yeah I, i mean i still have a uh I have a T-shirt from Crest Hardware in Brooklyn, the hardware store that we went to, um, where everything was twice the price, but you paid it happily because, you know, they had a parrot there and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, but it, you know, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make our lives out to appear harder than they are, but there is something about, um, most of the jobs that we do are iterative tasks where you you're just chipping away at it and chipping away at it to try and get a little bit better and some days it's better and some days it's worse the um you know and i i i have i'm terrible at carpentry but i i have done uh hot work in you know or hard work out in the hot sun the and there is something about like you you screw in the last board or you place the last block or whatever you go down the punch list this is done this is done this is done this is done okay now we go and collect the check and just that and i think it's totally artificial the um but man it's so that is a if they had that in a drug the feeling of completing your job list accomplishment yeah the i mean for somebody with ocd too the to that's I, I bet that's a potent high for you as well of like going down your job list and checking shit off or were you never a list guy never a list guy woefully disorganized also not good with tools can't build anything with my hands uh like yeah no my my ocd stuff isn't uh cleanliness or organization or anything like that um i wish it were even though i think but you know whatever if it's ocd people have that stuff that's hell for them too but um no i have this really weird kind it's like uh i think it's called inadvertent harm ocd where basically like you um you're you're worried about causing harm and you're looking to find certainty that you didn't um and the iteration of that that like 
basically turned me into an agoraphobe. Um, and it, it, you know, it's taken different forms over the years, but, um, the most damaging to like my life was this thing where I would get in my car and drive my car. And if I heard a sound in the road or whatever, I think, what if I just hit someone with my car and I didn't know it, you know, um, I better go check. And I would check and maybe, you know, and not see a dead body on the road and feel a second of relief but that would quickly be supplanted with, well, you didn't check hard enough or you didn't go back far enough. And the first time it happened, it was just this one moment on the road that I kept obsessing about. But then it started to happen more and more frequently to the point where basically every time I got behind the wheel, it was happening and I was stopping my car in the middle of very busy streets, uh, stopping traffic to look underneath my car for a dead body. And then thinking that signs were talking to me and shit um, and telling me that I, so it got, it went there. And, um, and it also took getting there for me to be willing to go get help for it because I was, I was terrified of getting like therapy because I just felt like I knew that they were just going to confirm my worst fears about myself somehow, you know? So I like put that off and put that off until I really couldn't anymore. Like I could not, you know, deny this thing or make it seem like it wasn't a big deal anymore, you know? And, uh, sought help for OCD specifically and realized that in this fucking book that I got on OCD, there was like a chapter in it about hit and run OCD. And like, this is a thing and people have it. And I end up in a group with other people with hit and run OCD. And I'm like hearing these people talk and like break down about their fucking anxiety and how they can't sleep at night and how they want to turn themselves in to walk into a police station and say, I might've hit someone with my car on the corner of vine and whatever. And I'm like, Holy shit, this is shared. Like, this is a thing, you know, like, yeah. Wow, man, the it, your dread was palpable in the way you said therapy. You said it as if it was three different one-syllable words. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I definitely feel that the yeah. There's definitely. I mean, I feel like our, our lives is just a series of moments where you're like, I'm not like everybody else. Then you're like. I'm like everybody else or like yeah. no one's like me or everybody's like me. The, and, and it's, and every time it's, it just feels like the rugs pulled out from under you. The, um, you, the sort of like shock of recognition, you know, I mean, I, I know when I wrote, when I got sober and then published stuff about, you know, about getting sober, the response that I got from people, the, I mean, I, I really thought I'd gotten to a point where I thought that I was the only one who could be living you know, a life like, you know, the one that I was that of going out on Thursday and then showing up to work uh, on Monday in the same clothes. Yeah. The, and think I was getting away with it too. Yeah. Um, the, and then, you know, publishing a story about it and having so many people contact me and be like, you know, who had similar stories or stories that were dramatically worse or, you know, the, you know, responded to me with things that had nothing to do with like alcohol or substance abuse, but just sort of like, you know, human suffering. The, um, when, 
I I'd never heard of hit and run OCD. The when I was a kid, I was uh, I was scared of the dark. Fuck, I'm still scared of the dark. I'm just less scared. The yeah. But I remember, um, you know, convincing myself that there was something under the bed, and then because I was thinking like while you were were talking about this, that I would convince myself something was under the bed, and then I would like screw up the nerve to check. Yeah. And be like, okay, and then get back in bed and be like. Well, they hid that. Yeah. Thing. Or there wasn't something then, but now there is. And so yeah, it- that thing cannot be sated. And every attempt to, to wrest certainty from life only leads to more doubt. So yeah. it's like, yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the dilemma. And every time you check, it just engenders more checking and engenders more seeming reality to the thought in the first place it's like um sort of like seems to give it value because it affected your it made you take an action you know i i remember my mom trying to comfort me when i was a a child and she was like you know mishka if you don't believe in them they're not real and then i was like that means that if i believe in them they are real Thanks a fucking ton, mom. Now I'm ruined forever because I believe, yeah. you know. That, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Our brains. No, I, I had a similar thing with my um, eldest daughter uh, maybe like a year ago or so when she was in uh, unafraid of the dark phase. And I found myself getting frustrated i i didn't communicate that frustration to her but i just felt kind of a frustration of being feeling like i couldn't adequately communicate to her that she really truly had nothing to be afraid of um but then i like i realized that the the forms that my fears take are no more rational, you know, than, than hers. And I was, it was like one of those moments where, um, you know, next time you have a thing jump on your mind, like, remember this because you're afraid of the dark, you know? Yeah. It's the, I feel like we need to have more words for fear than just fear because there's like, um, I agree. Uh, what what am I afraid of? I'm I'm afraid of sharks. The um oh, here's another thing. I I don't think I mean I don't think I'm afraid of anything real, but I'm afraid of all kinds of f- like fake ghosts and shit. The um you know, and the if I hear a sound outside, there's you know, uh there's bushes and trees. I have like f- Christmas lights hanging down. There's any one of a million different things that could be making a sound out there. And the minute there's a sound out there, I'm like ghost. I, yeah, yeah. Like, I recognize the sound of a ghost and that's absolutely a ghost, you know, the, um, so, I mean, I think that, you know, there are, you know, probably the healthiest, I mean, a useful fear would be like fear of getting in a car accident that, or yeah. I mean, that, that's a terrible example. I was, that's something that's <laughs> likely to happen to a person in the course of their life. You know, the, uh, it's the, um, getting you know being afraid of being struck by lightning or shark attack or you know the the things that we're actually afraid of 
we don't need to be afraid of and the things like fucking getting audited or um yeah um you know getting beaten up by cops or something stupid like that the that that may very well happen um and their fear the word fear should disaggregate between the the shit of you know being a uh, being a 45 6 foot tall man afraid of ghosts versus being afraid yeah, of Yeah, it should audited. it should disaggregate the sort of like fear fear of one's own mind from fear of a thing that because like your fear of ghost is really fear of your mind because you also know that like a ghost isn't going to eat you or something like that so it's like um yeah it's weird i'm not afraid of some of the stuff that i should be uh or how do i put it like i'm afraid of death i don't want to die but i smoke cigarettes i I, I don't know. There's so many contradictions here and I'm, I'm getting lost in them actually. Yeah. Uh, but let me, yeah. let me ask you this. The, I feel like we both share the thing of, you know, being able to recognize at a certain point that, you know, that I am the enemy, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, the greatest obstacle I will have to overcome in my life is just me. The, how old were you when you sorted that out? Um, I, I was 20, I was 26 when I got sober, um, but was far from sorting anything out for a while. Like the, my mental illness stuff really jumped on me in sobriety and got a lot worse. I mean, in some ways I, I still don't have it sorted out, but I do have, uh, I don't know. I've got, I've got tools that I can apply. I've got, you know, reframing devices. And if I'm in like enough pain, I can do the, the take, take the actions to increase the anxiety in the moment, but uh, ultimately make it subside i mean that's what the the action part of the ocd therapy was was basically like going toward the fear like <clears throat> um driving with the radio blasting and the windows up um or do basically doing whatever would cause the most anxiety and doing that enough rendering the thought less powerful or not powerful at all because it stops being able to affect the the action i would take or whether or not I, I i could live according to my values that day i think you're just convincing me that i have ocd and now hopefully i've hopefully now tonight you'll like lay awake and just make a list of all the things you're afraid of and then we'll both have just brought yeah. misery and suffering to each other <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think everyone who writes has this thing in some form or another. Uh, most of my songwriter friends do, you know, I don't know. I think it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. The, 
so I, I've probably used this analogy before, but it's one I keep coming back to. The you know direct current is you know all the pluses flowing down one wire and all the minuses flowing down another wire. And alternating current is the it's like plus minus plus minus. The it, it changes back and forth. And alternating current you know generates just as much electricity or as as reliable electricity as direct current. The and and I think about that with. Um, I mean, I, the place I probably heard it first or heard it in recent memory was uh, Louisa was talking about, um, you know, how human beings swing between hubris and despair. That mm-hmm. my, do- my dog does that, too. The, <laughs> she has two moods, totally happy or totally unhappy. Yeah. And the, you know, thinking about the alternating current changing from plus to minus, plus to minus and how energy generated the I. I think that like, oh, is that what we write out of? The, is that what the creative energy, um, you know, comes from of the, you know, being like, oh, I'm going to have a good day and then shutting your hand in the car door and being like, fuck everyone. I hope you all die. The yeah. Is that where, um, you know, the impetus to create comes from is just us sort of dragging ourselves back and forth across that razor for like, <laughs> it's a pretty grim way of looking at it, but. I think maybe there's something there. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the swings can be when I'm, when I'm in that place where I'm just at the whims of like, when I'm not at whatever center is, it's like, it's not even that I'm swinging between despair and happiness. It's like despair and excitement or something. It's like, there's not necessarily joy touching it. You know what I mean? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I I don't know where the, that creative impulse thing, what the source is really God. I don't, you know, I, I had a conversation with, uh, with another songwriter, Josh Mallerman, the, and this is fucking 20 years ago or something like that, but it stuck with me. The, and he was talking about, you know, the sort of excitement and despair thing. And he was like, and, and Josh is a pretty positive guy and like a lovely dude doesn't really get spitting mad that often, but I saw him get spitting mad because, and he, he was like the people say this thing all the time of like, don't get your hopes up. And it's, and he was like, it's the worst fucking bullshit because if you get your hopes up, you feel good for a minute. Mm-hmm. The, and Maybe, you know, maybe you won't get Castle Grayskull for Christmas, but maybe you will, you know, yeah. so the, you, you know, the, the hope that you feel, um, will never be wasted because even if it doesn't come true, it lifts you up a little bit that day, fluffs your mood, you know, the, yeah, that's like, a really good point. Cause you're kind of doing that thing where it's kind of control freak stuff in a way. It's like, you're trying to manipulate your current state so that you don't feel disappointment later or something. It's like, no, let yourself feel the high and it's attendant low. Yeah. And, and, you know, and conversely, if you're, if you just spend all day obsessed that you're not getting castle gray skull for Christmas, the, whether you, whether you do or don't get it, the, <laughs> I didn't get it by the way, just fucking, that's I, why I became an alcoholic. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, mom. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> oh, God damn it. 
All right, I guess that wasn't it then. The but if you're convinced you're not gonna get it, and then you do get it, um, all the worries wasted. And if you're convinced you're not gonna get it, and you're not gonna get it, all that worry is also wasted. The you just yeah. burn yourself out. The and I am totally option two. I'm I'm not a fucking hope guy. I'm a worry guy. The, yeah. All, all, yeah. All day, every day. Yeah. The um, well uh. Let's get out of here. The um, dude, I um, I feel like we're just at the beginning. I feel like we're just getting rolling. The but I, I um, please uh, please keep in touch about the writing and stuff like that. If there's anything that I can do to facilitate, um, I'm the- I'm gonna and you've already been really helpful. Um, and yeah, I'm really gonna try to just force myself to get into it now that you know. Yeah, it's like getting home, getting into the swing of things. I guess these are my excuses, but, uh, you know, getting the the last couple column things and this like Hinkley thing done, which were like kind of on my mind. It's like, OK, I really have nothing else to focus on creatively besides this. And I just need to fucking do it. The you want me to give you a, a window in for the month of July and see if. It yeah. Works? Yeah. So just um, tell yourself for the month of July, you're going to write one sentence every single day, but only one sentence. Wow. All right. What if I what if I write more? Is that not allowed? Is it super? How strict is this? The every time you fuck up, we cut off a joint of your finger. It's like yeah. the old uh, 70s kung fu. The yeah. um, <laughs> The the idea behind it, um, and uh, all of Twitter. If you're listening, Max just uh, publicly agreed to uh, the to cut off all his fingers. No, the <laughs> the, the premise is that um, for guys like you and I, we build it up into our, our our heads of like, oh, I was like, I was obsessed with Christmas shopping last week, so I didn't do the stuff that I need to do, and so really, what I need to do is sit down and write fucking 2000 words a day for the next 10 days to get caught up the and you just you build it into such a huge thing in your mind that there's it's it becomes so massive there's no way to start yeah but if you choose an insignificant amount and just commit publicly to doing it every day and to only write one sentence yeah um after the first week or 10 days You'll be like, "Fuck that Mishka guy." I'm writing more. The, yeah, but the trick is to is to remove the remove the barrier to it so that you can because anybody can write one sentence and and nobody has an excuse to not write one sentence. Yeah, so it's just that incremental thing. Um, I'm doing this. I'm saying it publicly. I'm doing it. Awesome, I'm doing it. awesome. I, I'm so glad I was able to drag you down with me. The, <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's go on a positive thing. What uh, What's one thing you're excited for this year? It, it, something you're doing, something somebody else is doing. It, it doesn't matter. Just a thing that you um, that you're jazzed about. Um, Eve Six is putting out our first full length record since 2012. I'm excited about that. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, a photo of Jake Flores is going to be the cover of the album. It's it's. <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's pretty good. Uh. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited about 
spending the summer with my with my kids. Um, yeah, let's go with those two. Awesome. The, yeah. um, dude, I was like boning up on my Eve six knowledge, reading like Wikipedia entries before this and stuff. The, um, and so I read the Eve six one and, um, or no, I read yours and then I read the Eve six one and for some, and one of them linked to, to Jake's Wikipedia entry. And I was like, fucking Jake has a Wikipedia entry and I don't, man, fuck this guy. So I rage read his Wikipedia entry and the, the, the last line of his Wikipedia, and this is why I fucking love the dude so much. The, the last line of his Wikipedia entry is a quote from him just saying, um, uh, if, <laughs> oh, fuck, I got to get this right. Um, if you're a man and you won't eat your own cum with a woman, it means you're gay. So rad. <laughs> it's like, that's such a fucking, that's how, that's how every Wikipedia entry should close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's real good. Yeah. So good. The, I, uh, I fly out in a couple of days, so I'll see him, uh, this weekend. Good. Good. Yeah. Tell him hi. I just, I spoke to him uh, a little bit earlier this morning. Um, trying to get him to move out here. Oh, awesome. Yeah. The, I don't support anybody leaving New York for LA, but Jake's put his fucking time in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He definitely has. He's earned the right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Max, thanks so much for setting the time aside to do this, man. I totally appreciate it. Thank you, Mishka. I appreciate it. I, uh, I appreciate our, our friendship and you've been helpful to me with this writing stuff. So thank you. Awesome. We're, we're just at the beginning, man. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Thanks, Mishka. Bye, man. Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. At this point in my life, most of my friends have podcasts, and it's uh, it's disgusting and it's despicable, and it always feels so weird for me to... Uh, <laughs> To listen to them shilling for other companies, uh, this protein shake, uh, this uh, this laundry warehouse or whatever. The, but the only thing worse than that is that what I'm doing right now is I'm recording a commercial for my stuff to uh, to try to get you to to buy my things. Um, so the the first thing I want to do is if you're listening, if you're enjoying this podcast, share it with a friend. Um, you know, please obviously post it to your social media. Please rate and review it on uh, iTunes or whatever the hell this is. Podcasts, I don't know. The, whatever the Apple platform is. Um, but also just send it to a friend. If it's if you got something out of this conversation, if it's helpful to you, if you've found something useful there or funny or entertaining, um, if you get a kick out of it, if I have a guest coming up and you think a friend is going to enjoy it, please just share this with a friend. Um, also, I'm shilling for my new book, uh, The Long Run and Other Stories. Uh, which collects all my best-selling Kindle singles and some other bonus material. Um, a couple love letters for uh, for Lanigan. Um, I'm selling them directly, uh, thirty bucks through my Venmo, um, post-paid anywhere in the U.S. Um, and I'm forcing myself to just read some of the blurbs from the back because I got um, some really incredibly kind blurbs from some of my heroes. Um, here's one from Lanigan. Mishka Shibali is a king. 
His stories read like a crazy quilt of heartbreaking honesty and ball-busting comedy. I mean, Lanigan knew how to write the fucking shit out of a blurb. <laughs> just, just hit it, hit it hard and get out. Um, here's another one I'm going to double up today because they're short. Here's one from Bert Kreischer. Mishka Shabali is not only my favorite author, but he is also my favorite singer-songwriter. He writes the kind of prose that gets stuck in your head for an entire weekend. He has such an amazing way with words. Kind words from uh, an amazing comic and uh, you know one of my musical heroes. Um, yeah, please buy the book, and thanks for listening.